You are listening to a download from the Drama Merchant. Descend into the stories of yesterday, into worlds of science fiction, the unknown and supernatural. Be prepared to listen to some astounding stories. Practice makes perfect in some cases, but not in this eerie instance. Kid Stuff by Winston Marks Why me? Why, out of 300 billion people on Earth, why did they have to pick on me? And if it had to happen, why couldn't it have happened before I met Betty and fell in love with her? You see, Betty and I were to be married tomorrow. We were to have been married tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow indeed. What a ghastly thought that is. How can I explain to Betty, to anyone? I can't face her. And what could I say to her on the telephone? Sorry, Betty, I can't marry you. I'm no longer quite human. Quit joking, Kelly. This is for real. You're sober and awake, and it did happen. Marrying Betty is out of the question, even if she'd have you the way you are. Quit standing in front of the mirror, naked and shaking, and looking for scars, counting your fingers and toes. You've taken a hundred infantries, and it's always come out wrong. And it always will, unless... Unless they come back. But that's hopeless. They'd never find me again. Not out of all the people on Earth. Besides, they didn't seem to give a damn. No more than a kid gives a damn of what happens to a lump of modelling clay when he gets bored squeezing it into this shape and that. Where did they come from? Or, judging from their talk, when did they come from? And would it do me any good if I knew? I was sitting there in my bachelor apartment drinking a can of beer and trying to work a crossword puzzle to get sleepy. I wasn't especially jittery like the groom is always supposed to be on the eve of his wedding. Just wide awake at midnight, wanting to get sleepy so I could get some real rest when I went to bed. Just sitting there, trying to think of a two-letter word for sun god. And that made me think of the gold in Betty's hair when the sun was on it at the beach. And pretty soon, I was just staring into space, aching for Betty, wishing the next 12 hours of my life could vanish and we could be together, heading for our little cottage by the lake. Staring into space, then it wasn't just space. There were these two big ball bearings in front of me, about three feet in diameter, if you could say they had a diameter. They looked like ball bearings because their surfaces were shiny, mirror-like steel but they had unevenly spaced smooth bumps, something like the random knobs of a potato, so they weren't really round at all. The light from my lamp reflected crazily, and my own image gaped back at me from their distorted reflecting curves, like the fun mirrors at a crazy house, only crazier and not funny at all. Fear is never funny, and I was afraid. I'll swear I could taste the terror. It was salty on my tongue. When I tried to cry out, the roof of my mouth felt like old concrete. Then one of them spoke. It's alive. Intelligent. 
It senses our presence. I was receiving pure thought, not words. But man thinks only in words, and their thoughts fished suitable words from my subconscious to frame them for my assimilation. Telepathy? Impossible. What common points of reference could I have of these two unthinkably alien life forms? The answer whipped back at me on an intuitive, subvocal level. Thought is a universal language manifestation. Language is only the clumsy vehicle for thought. Between me and the aliens lay no such barrier. Obviously intelligent, the other agreed. Fill those gamma radiations. Too bad they're so weak. It would be interesting if he could communicate with us. I stammered aloud. But, but I can communicate with you. I understand every... They were paying no attention to my raspy words. Yes, that's typical of these ancient organic life forms. As I recall, they use some form of physical vibration of their gaseous mediums for communicating among themselves. Speaking of which, the other interrupted. This particular gaseous medium seems to contain oxygen. We'd best not remain over long, or we'll corrode and catch hell when we return. Exude a little nickel if it irritates you. We'll catch hell anyway when Mother... Yes, that's the word that came to me. ...discovers when we've been. I'm curious about these flesh and blood creatures. I wonder who invented this clumsy monstrosity. He meant me. He rolled a foot nearer, and then the other followed with a certain wobble. I turned out better in third grade. Liar, you nearly flunked med of plastics. Well, you did flunk it. So who are you two? Just don't be overcritical. I think this one looks fairly practical. Well balanced. That's just what I mean. Observe the unimaginative bisymmetry. Two legs, two eyes, five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot. Surely the inventor was a mechanic and no artist. In this light gravity, there was no need for... And how would you improve the design, your high and mightiness? First, Let's remove the covering. My clothes left my body gently, but with the sound of violent tearing. In two seconds, I sat naked, my garments laid back like split bandages. I shouted, see here for God's sakes. The aliens made no visible move, yet they had wielded powerful forces to strip everything I wore from my body, shirt, slacks, underwear, and even my shoes, without so much as pinching my flesh. I leapt to my feet, naked as a straw. They were between me and the door, but they seemed so clumsy. Watch it! He's alarmed! Don't let him escape! Try and stop me, I screamed, tensing my muscles for a leap over the pair of intruders. Suddenly, the air about my sweating body seemed to thicken like molasses. I could breathe all right, but quick motion was denied me. My grand leap died before my right foot left the floor. I retreated to my chair in slow-motion panic sinking slowly through the fermented atmosphere to a sitting position of my torn clothes. Yes, a very clumsy, unesthetic un life form. In fact, the bisymmetry fairly nauseates me. Granted that the two arms are practical, doubtless one or the other does 90% of all the work. So why have them equal importance? See here, I'll demonstrate. Wait, the other cautioned. This is a sentient creature. You can't operate without... Of course not. Something buzzed in my spine, and I blanked out. For a space of one breath, it seemed. That's better. I guess I must agree with you. A faint tingle in my left arm caused me to stare at it. Unbelievably, its length was the same, but its diameter was reduced by two-thirds, and there were two fingers missing on the hand. 
The opposable thumb remained, but now it had more of an appearance of a claw than a human hand. I tried to scream, but the sound was a gluttonous bubble of air that never reached my lips. How about the pedal appendages? Well, there was some hesitation. Considering the method of locomotion, bisymmetry seems more justified there. However, why bilateral? Why not quadrilateral? Because the organs of sight face only one way. I can fix that too. My spine buzzed, and when I looked down again, a flood of peculiar changes had taken place. My ankles terminated in the middle of my feet, and my heels had disappeared. In their place were toes. You see, with the double hinged knee joint, he can travel forwards or backwards now without pivoting. Then I became aware that I could look forward and backwards at the same time. That thing in the middle is certainly superfluous. Yes. Buzz. It was gone. A tentacle fastened, say, to the right hip bone could be very useful. Buzz. My right hip tingled. From it protruded a whip-like appendage some eight feet long, brown and leathery, tapering to the diameter of a pencil and terminating in a pink fleshy pad richly supplied with sensory buds. I could feel every hair in the nap of the carpet on which it rested. Feel taste, smell and hear. Four sense organs in one. Now we are making progress, came the exclamation. Buzz, buzz, buzz. The instant seeming sedative moments came upon me in quick successions and each left me bereft of some standard human equipment or in the possession of some extra normal addition to my anatomy. With no more sensation than a slight tingle I've mentioned. From their mental remarks, I concluded that I lost my vermiform appendix, tonsils, and a mole on my left shoulder blade. Most of the other items which I acquired were too grotesque to describe further. The two additional cardiac structures and the adrenal adjustments should assure some likelihood of immortality, one of the intruders was explaining. Which would probably bring about overpopulation in ten generations, the other reminded him. Ah, yes. I should compensate for that. Buzz. And he did. I am corroding. Exude some chrome as I told you. I think I hear mother calling anyway. Let's go before she... They were too late. A third bumpy ball bearing materialized behind the two aliens, and instantly a barrage of maternal scolding dominated the ether. I've been searching the whole continuum for you two. What are you doing back here? We were about to return, mother. That's the truth, mother. We just broke through here so we could practice our advance. Practice? Mother exclaimed. Practice on this poor primitive organic creature? I felt poor and primitive indeed. Paralyzed of fear, my only wonder now was that, apparently, I had retained my sanity throughout this waking nightmare. We didn't hurt him. You put him back the way you found him. Do you understand? Do it this instant. Yes, mother. Let's see. How did we find him? Simple bilateral symmetry, stupid. Oh, yes. Two of everything, except... Hold it. Remember the sedative. Buzz. When I awakened this time, they were gone. My electric clocked hum softly on the mantel, revealing the nonsensical information that less than an hour had passed since my visitors first arrived. I staggered to my feet, bracing myself against the thick air, but the air was just ordinary, thin, substanceless air again. My hand dropped to my right hip. The tentacle was gone. Thank God I breathed, and for an instant my common sense tried to insist that I had merely fallen asleep for a few minutes and dreamed the whole fantastic sequence. But no, why would I be stark naked? 
And why were my clothes lying ruined in my chair like bandages split with a huge razor? I clenched my left fist and gained comfort from the reassuring pressure of my four fingers and a thumb in my palm. But then I stepped into my bedroom and stood before the full-length mirror, where I have stood rooted ever since. And the question revolves in my brain, punctuated only by my profanity and sobs of despair. How can I marry Betty now? How can I face her? What woman on earth could bring herself to marry a man with no navel and two heads? This episode of Astounding Stories was created, narrated, and edited by Nathan Schultz, otherwise known as the Drama Merchant. All sound effects were homemade and edited by him in his garage. Music was created by Kevin McLeod and can be found on Incompetech Film Music. To visit the website or the music titles used in this episode, click on the links in the body of the podcast. Kid Stuff was written by Winston Marks and appeared in the publication Infinity Science Fiction, November 1955. Stay tuned for our next episode. That's all for today, and if you're enjoying this podcast, please remember to hit the subscribe button so more theatre lovers can find the show. Also remember, I have a free subscription ship for anybody who wants to be the first to find out what plays I'm working on, both audio and live, and other exciting news. Just head over to www.thedramamerchant.au. If you have an idea for a story or a commercial project you need a voiceover actor for, please get in touch at thedramamerchant at hotmail.com.